It's very good to be here today. It's good to have Brad back with us this morning. And um, I played, I asked him as he came in that I was excited to hear what the Lord would be bringing this morning through him. Um, and he was caught a little bit off guard, but um, I guess it's still on me to uh, preach this morning. But really looking forward to it. Really enjoyed uh, sharing with you last week a little bit of my vision for community groups. And I am extremely excited to share with you again part two of that series and how um, that kind of looks doing life together. So I want to reinforce my desire for community groups at this church and give us a picture of what that looks like. We're going to be in Acts 2 again. So if you want to turn there or get on your device and get to Acts 2, 42, we're going to be in that same section. And so my desire for Oak Grove Church is that we continue to, to grow in our love for God, continue to grow in our love for the family of God, which is those of us who gather here, uh, who claim the name of Jesus Christ, who are brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ. And my hope is that we continue to grow in people that we add to our number. As we saw in Acts 2, day by day, the Lord is adding to their number. And that is my hope and goal, that we will continue to be about the gospel in discipleship to where we see God working within our community and the people in our lives. See, I want us as a church to live a life that is full of the gospel, a life that is viewed through the lens of the gospel. So everything we do as an individual must have the lens of the gospel in front, and everything we do as a church must have the lens of the gospel in front. And so the gospel is to be leading our decision-making process as an individual. It should be leading our decision-making process as a church. And one of the reasons why I love this church is that it's something that happens here. The leadership here is very committed to following the spirit where he goes, to seeing the issues or what we want to do and pursue through the eyes of the gospel. What does the gospel say about what we want to do? And you've seen that through various things. Experience is one of them. Where was God leading? So let's come with him in that. Let's join him in that. And no one here is tied to changing things based on where the spirit is leading. And so that's one of the reasons why I love being a part of uh, this community here. So in Acts 2, we see a people that are led by the Spirit. See, these are people who are engaged in community, and they're, they're seeking the will of God through, through the apostles' teaching, through um, prayer, through fellowship with each other, and, through all, um, and then they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that again, Acts 2, 42. It says, "...and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship." to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here we see a people. We see the first church. They are interacting on a daily basis. They were in community with one another. And so this is, is the heart of what I believe is so core to community groups, is we see a perfect example of God's people becoming the church, being turned into the church, and people who are living together in, com in community, uh, doing life together, and why, and you might be thinking, why is community so important? 
Okay, you know, we keep hearing about this, but isn't, isn't what we do here Sunday, isn't that community? Well, yes, it is, but as you can see in Acts, that's not really um, the true depth of that. So one of the reasons why I believe community is so important is that we were created in the image of a communal God. See, at Oak Grove Church, we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see in that relationship that the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in community for forever. So eternity past and eternity future. They've always existed within community. They've existed in, in perfect unity, in perfect love, and in perfect joy. See, our God, our creator, is a communal being. And the triune God created us for the display of that relationship. He created humanity as his highest and most important of all creation. See, we were made in the image and likeness of God. We see that in Genesis 1. And we were designed for community. See, we were not designed to live life alone. We see that in Genesis 2 where it says, The Lord said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper. We see that unity and community uh, in creation before the fall. Before the fall, we see man in community with God and in community with his wife. See, man was walking in the garden with God. He was walking in the garden without sin in a perfect environment, and yet God said that that relationship was not good. It was not the purpose of the creator for the created. We also see a little bit of this prayer for unity and community in, in John 17, where, where Jesus is, is praying for unity, unity expressed through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see that community of the Trinity coming through again. And so the Acts speaks to that unity that Jesus was praying for. I have a quote here from uh, a piece called What is Christian Community by Matt Chandler. It says this, It is apparent that community is not some peripheral Christian teaching, but is central to the outworking of God's purpose in the world. God is glorified when he has when he is properly reflected by dwelling in unity, we rightly image our communal maker. So because we are created in God's image and because God is a communal being, when we display that community, we are in fact glorifying our communal maker. And so you've heard us talk about a lot doing life or, or being intentional or being missional. There's a lot of these phrases that people are throwing around today to kind of uh, define what we're trying to do. So let me just take some time to go through what it means to do life together. What are we talking about when we say we're going to do life together? I have four characteristics that are indicative of Christian community. Uh, so these are taken from uh, What is Biblical Community? by Matt Chandler because there's a lot more people who are a lot smarter than me out there. And so I, I took these four characteristics, and we're going to go through them today, but um, what I want you to understand is that the, God created us to be in community with each other, and so the first of these is love. The first characteristics of what it means to do life together and be intentional together is love. See, love is, is the most misunderstood term in our, in our culture. See, we, we love Chipotle. Uh, we love country music. I don't I don't think anyone actually really says that because it's awful. But, um, t- t- sorry, it, it's true. You can't, it's truth, all right? Today, but see, today, love, I'm sorry if any of you like country music. I just don't. Um, I'm very eclectic in my music taste. I'm just not eclectic. I, no. Um, just forget about it. Uh, 
Today can mean anything. Uh, love can mean anything. Anything from, from sexual intimacy to uh, a fleeting and passing expression, right? You know, I, I love Snickers. I love this. I love that. You fill in the blank. But we can't possibly mean the same thing when we use the term for love. You can't love your wife the same that you love your dog, for example. Some of you might, but that's a different issue. Um, we can't possibly mean the same thing. See, I love cheesecake, and nothing will deter me from cheesecake, right? I have a passionate zeal and desire for cheesecake. If you put all sorts of different desserts out in front of me, I don't care who made them, where they're from, I will choose the crappiest cheesecake to start, right? I will choose the worst thing because that's how I'm designed. I love cheesecake, but what, what is love? If I love cheesecake that much and I say I love my wife, is that the same thing? I mean, I would hope not because that'd be, that'd be awful. Um, but see, five times, five times in 1 John, uh, we've all heard to love one another, but, but John tells his believers to love one another. But then he qualifies the love one another command by showing us that love is represented by what Jesus did on the cross. That's 1 John three sixteen through 22, if you want to go there some other time. So John qualifies what love is. And so he gives us a definition of what love is. And what love is is sacrificial. Love, is, love gives and it does not take. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is humble. Love is putting other people's needs before yourself. Love is humble. And so we see that love is sacrificial, and it was all, and it was perfectly exemplified in Jesus' death on the cross, how he sacrificed his life for us. So Acts 2.45 says this, and they, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So, so here we see a sacrificial love happening here. We see a people who are selling things to help others. They are maybe sacrificing something to fulfill the need of someone else. That wouldn't look any different today than maybe, maybe cutting out the cable so that you could give more to a particular ministry. Or you, you cut out, well, you can't cut out internet because life is based on the internet nowadays. But it's, maybe you cut out something else, right? Maybe you don't need HBO. Maybe you need uh, a little less of that. Maybe you don't need Netflix. Um, and then diverting those funds to something else. So this is what we see happening in the first church. They were, they were sacrificing, selling some things in order to meet the needs of other people in their family or in the, the family of God. So they made sacrifices for the betterment of others. So love that is not sacrificial is not love. So if you're not willing to sacrifice for, let's say, the cheesecake, then it's not love. And I don't think I'd sacrifice anything that I hold near and dear for a piece of food. Catch me on a bad day. I might, though. Because um, John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that is perfectly seen in what Jesus did on the cross. So as we do life together, the, the first character of, of doing life together is love. So let us, let us love each other in truth. Let us love in good works towards another. And this is, is one aspect of what we do in community groups. We put others' needs above our own. We, we help to bear each other's burdens. There, there's, there's situations that have happened within our group that I believe would be devastating if you went through alone, if you didn't have anyone to rely on. And so as a community of believers, we, we can come around 
the people in our group who are going through these trials, and we can help bear that burden with them. We can pray with them. We can uh, visit them. We can do all sorts of different things. You know, we can um, come alongside them and walk with them through that. And so that's one aspect of what we do in community groups is we help to come alongside and love the people in a group by sacrificing our time, maybe, maybe our resources, whatever that looks like. It can look like so many different things. So the first characteristic is love. The second characteristic of doing life together is consistency. Uh, this is a no-brainer, right? In order to be in community with people, you kind of have to be there regularly. So consistency is a second characteristic, but in Acts 2, we see this beautiful picture found of consistency found within the church. See, they, they, they met daily to encourage each other, to worship together, to eat together, to study the word of God together, to pray together. And so they, they got together, and we see here, to study the apostles' teaching. And day by day, they met together, and they did life together. And so getting together once a week, it was not the spirit found in Acts 2. I have another quote from Matt Chandler in here. It says, a clear scriptural admonition exists toward long-lasting relationships and deeply consistent presence in the lives of others. Occasional or infrequent gatherings do not capture the spirit of the text. So what we're seeing in Acts 2 is not a, an occasional gathering. It's a consistent involvement into the lives of other people, the lives that we claim to love, the, the lives of the people that we say are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're actually in that and consistent in that. If you weren't consistent in spending time with your wife or your husband, you wouldn't really have that great of a marriage now, would you? If you just kind of peeled out whenever you want, Maybe you disappeared for a couple weeks. You're not consistent in that relationship, so how could that work? If you're not consistent in your relationship with those in this body, how do you ever expect to have any type of relationship at all? Other than a, other than a surface level, hey, how you doing? Good, see you later. Walk out the door. It's not possible if you're not consistent in the lives of others. The third characteristic of doing life together is worship. This is a huge, huge part of Acts 2. We see them devoting themselves. It's this sense of this, this deep devotion, right? They're just devoted. That's all they want to do is, is study the apostles' teachings, hear the word of God. They prayed, they sang, they took the Lord's Supper together, all these things that are worship. And we could spend, we could spend days talking about what is worship, how does worship look like, but for the sake of time here, we're going to... Um, we're going to leave it where it is, but worship is a huge part of community. That's what we do on Sunday mornings, but that's what community groups also looks like. The studying of God's word, prayers. We haven't sung yet. Well, we haven't purposely sung yet. Some people sing stuff, and the song gets caught in your head, and then you're singing it the rest of the, of the night. But what the point is is that we come together to love each other, to be consistent with each other, and to worship and glorify our great God together. They engaged in worship of their community, and they uh, made much of his great name. Now, the last characteristic, I'm going to spend quite some time here, because I think this is uh, uh, something that we don't really grasp as a culture, 
But the fourth, fourth characteristic of doing life together is authenticity. And I think that's the hardest one for us because our, our culture does not value authenticity, right? It, it values achievement. It values perfection. It values strength. It values individualism. And so we are being taught by our culture, by our society, that we must, achieve, we must achieve in order to have value. In order to be worth something, we must have these accolades and achievements to boast about. We are constantly being told that we are not enough. We don't, we don't have enough money. We don't have a glamorous career. We don't have a nice enough car. You're not a good enough father. You're not a good enough husband. We are constantly being told that by our culture. And how this plays out in the lives of men is that men, we cannot be seen as weak. Because if we're seen as weak, that means we're a failure. And so as men, we cannot fail. So we can't fail at work, and we can't fail in our friendships and our relationships. We can't fail at being a father. We can't fail at being a husband. We can't fail at being a, a CEO or whatever we're striving to be. See, in our culture, the man says, I cannot be weak and I cannot fail. For the women, it looks a little different. For women, it's, it's, they have to be seen as perfect. They have to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife. They have to have the, the perfect balance of career and motherhood. See, in our culture, it says the women have to be perfect and that they have to have everything put together. And so how this kind of flushes out nowadays for men and women is, is when you get on social media and you see all these, these people, friends of yours, friends, uh, that you see posting different things. So I have a love-hate relationship with social media. On one hand, I love it because I can be in contact with my family that is in a different state or friends from college, even friends from high school. It's kind of cool to just see what everyone's up to. But on the other hand, I hate it because people aren't authentic on social media. You can be whoever you want to be on social media. You can create this fake life for people to see, everything that's perfectly staged. And so you start comparing yourself to the people you see. Maybe you're not on social media, but you start comparing yourself to the people in your life, the people who uh, you do, uh, you work with or whatnot. And, and you look at what they're doing, and then you compare it to what you're doing. So, you know, you, you could be a father thinking, oh, man, look at that guy. He just, man, he made a really awesome tree for it for his kids. It's got like two levels, and it's stained wood, and it looks beautiful. There's a, there's a TV in it and everything. And then you just look at your, your uh, tent fort you made of hockey sticks and blankets in your living room. We've done that. It's awesome. But it, it falls apart in five minutes because the kids are crazy. So you look at that father. I'm like, oh, man, that guy's awesome. I can never do that. I can never measure up to that. Um, or you see the dude who posts the gym pictures all the time, the selfies of himself in the gym all the time. And he's really chiseled and swollen, right? And you're just like, oh, my gosh. I got dad bod happening here. And I got, uh, you know, you look down and you got, you got that, that beer gut. And you're just like, I don't, I don't understand. And so you just like unfriend them, right? Because they, you know, you don't want to see. You, you don't need to see that negativity in your life. Um, so you get rid of that. 
or you compare yourself thinking, I'll never do that. And so what do you do? What does your natural tendency be? I can never get there, so yeah, who cares? I'm just going to continue to, you know, whatever, eat away or, you know, not care. Or, or you see that mother who posted the, 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 you know, the perfect picture of her family, and they're all just, just beautiful and perfect, and you're like, oh, man, that's amazing. Meanwhile, your kid's running over here with uh, peanut butter in his hair, no pants on. And the other kid is feeding the dog fruit snacks. And you wonder, I can't be that. I can't compare up to that. Then, and then you see another person post this, this meal that they slaved all day for. You're like, how did they have time to pull that off? They got five kids. But they got this perfect meal, perfectly placed. Everyone's at the table, smiling, whereas it probably was chaos before that. That's what you don't see. And, and all of you managed to do is pull together a frozen pizza for dinner, right? And not, not the good DiGiorno kind, but the kind that you could use as a Frisbee, <laughs> which in some cases can be good. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying. In some cases, it could be good. Um, so the problem is, is that we start comparing ourselves, and when we realize that we don't measure up, we feel guilt for some odd reason, and then we withdraw. And then, but we have to then put on this persona of, of perfection and achievement, because I can't let anyone see that I'm not like this father over here, or I'm not like this mother over here. And so our culture teaches us, if you're not like this, and you don't have any value, or any worth. And we need to achieve to prove that value and worth. See, see, we can't let our guard down. We can't let people see our flaws. We can't let people see our weaknesses. Because then we look weak and we have failed. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been following the news lately, but there was this horrible story, a horrendous story actually, that came out in CBS News about Iceland and how they have almost completely uh, eradicated Down syndrome. Uh, this is the title of the story. It says, what kind of society do you want to live in? Inside the country where Down syndrome is disappearing. So what's happening here is uh, since the early 2000s, Iceland came out with this uh, prenatal scan. And what one thing this prenatal scan looks for is the Down syndrome in the child. And according to CBS News, almost 100% of mothers who find out that their child has Down syndrome, they abort the child. I should say they, they murder the child. Um, it's 67% in the U.S., by the way. So if you're thinking of Iceland, they're crazy. 67% of mothers, when they find out their child has Down syndrome, they abort the child. Um, and in Iceland, if, if a child of Down syndrome is born, it's because the mother didn't have the screen or it was a false scan and didn't show the, the, uh, show the Down syndrome. Uh, what does that tell you as, a, as our culture values? What do they value? They see that as someone who doesn't have worth. They see that as someone who, you know, they can't achieve much. So what's their life worth? That is what our culture teaches us. And it's an awful thing that we have bought into as a society, that we need to achieve things in order to have value. What they don't see in these children is the blessing that they can bring to families, the lessons that they can teach. And every person I've ever met who has had a child Down syndrome says they wouldn't change a thing. If they had to do it all over again, they would choose to have that child because of the blessings that they come through it, blessings like any children would bring. But we live in a world that doesn't value weakness so much so, so, much so that we kill the weak in order to eradicate perceived weakness. And it's foolish to think that's just going to stop there. 
What stops it from becoming someone with a disability? What stops it? It can go so many directions. And so if we don't achieve, if we don't have value, we're worthless to our society. Maybe we even feel that of ourselves. But what community groups provide, they provide a place to be authentic with one another. Because if you are not authentic with your family or the people you claim to be the family of God with, you cannot get to, you can, you'll never know the deep intimacy that God has intended for us to know. The intimacy that is found within the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit have this, this deep communal relationship. And we are to, to mirror that. So community groups are a place that we can be authentic with each other. We, see, we don't need to prove our worth to each other because we know that our worth is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are people who are transformed by the gospel. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit because we are the people of God. If you claim the name of Jesus, you are the people of God. God does not want the best version of you. He's not waiting for you to get your act together. He's not waiting for you to achieve something great. He's not waiting for perfection. He wants the, you in your current state. So some of our hang-ups are, oh, I can never volunteer in this ministry because I got just so much junk going on. There's so much stuff in my life that if people found out, you know, that would be awful, and I can never do that. But what the gospel says is, okay, uh, doesn't matter. Jesus died for that. And if you claim the name of Jesus, it's been forgiven. So let's move on. Because God wants you where you're at right now. He's not looking for the better version of you. He doesn't want the future you. He wants the broken mess that he can pick up and put back together and glorify himself through. See, through the gospel, we are made new. We are transformed. And one of the ways that God transforms us is in community. If you live in uh, these superficial relationships, if you, all you have is superficial relationships, how do you ever grow in relationships with others? How do you ever grow in your faith if you're not being challenged? If you're not being held accountable? I know for me, I had a really good friend in college, and uh, his relationship to me was invaluable at the time. Uh, his name is Ian, but he was a he was a great guy, still alive. Sorry, I don't know why I said was. Uh, still is a great guy, um, living out there, doing, doing the work of the, of the cross, which is awesome to see. Uh, but Ian was a kind of guy who we had a really close relationship with each other. And he was a kind of guy that would say, Josh, you're being a jerk. And not many people would say that to me. But Ian would be like, Josh, you're being a jerk. And he wouldn't care about whatever... I thought of that because he knew that if he was going to be my brother in Christ and bring me along and hold me accountable like I had asked him to, that's why he felt the need, the truth of, of hearing from your brothers, right? And so that, that relationship for me was valuable during my college years. And it helped me grow as a Christian, right? It helped me to see my wrong. Through love, let me get this clear, he was a great friend of mine, right? So I didn't think that was just some random person coming out and saying something. He had that relationship that allowed him to speak into my life truth. And truth to where I could see that as someone who cared for me, someone I looked up to, and someone that I could take his truth as caring for me. 
and not for something just to just point out. Because sometimes we just like to point out negativity for the sake of negativity. I mean, some, some of us just love and thrive on drama. Some of us just thrive on finding everything wrong and everything. But in community groups, if you don't have that authenticity, it allows, it allows us to grow together as a church. See, we must be immersed as a community of believers, and we have the common understanding that we are fallen. We are broken people. We are desperately in need of a Savior, and we are in need of a place to be vulnerable and authentic. And this is what community groups provide, a place to where we can let down our guard, a place where we don't have to achieve to show our worth, a place where we don't have to put up this image of perfection. We can share in all the craziness of life. I mean, I know for me, many times when, when I'm in a group and I hear stories of, of other parents' uh, parenting woes, it kind of like, oh, sweet, I'm not the only one out there that, like, my kids are crazy. You know, there's times where I'm just like, oh, man, I don't think, Ashley, I don't, I don't think we know what we're doing. Uh, I take it back. She probably always knows what she's doing. I, half the time, don't know what I'm doing when it comes to raising kids. Uh, but you see, you see the struggles of other fathers, and you're just like, sweet. I mean, we're, we're, we got the same thing going on, right? We, we have the same thoughts. We have the same, same uh, struggles. And then it's refreshing to know that, hey, I don't have to show this perfect, I'm not like the perfect father, so I don't have to even pretend to be. It allows for authenticity. And so the four characteristics of, of doing life together is love, consistency, worship, and authenticity. So my hope and my goal is that these, and I said this last week, I really hope, and my, my goal for community groups is that they become the primary means in which we grow as a church, in which we grow for our love for God, we grow in our love for others, and then we grow in uh, well, love for family, excuse me, and then our love for others as we uh, add to our number those who are being saved. It's a place that we can do life together, a place that we can be authentic together. And so I, I, know, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you just kind of described church a little bit. Sunday morning church, I should say. And I'm so glad that uh, we're on the same page and that you're looking at my notes because um, you guys are really brilliant, and thank you for that. That's a great question. It's om- uh, so here's the thing. We... we we do gather here Sunday morning, uh, and it is right, and it is good. It is a picture of Acts 2. But as I, as, I, as I mentioned before, sometimes for us, Sunday is the only time in which we engage in Christian community. It's, it's, it's as I mentioned last week, we segment our life to where we have church on Sunday, and that's the only time we have for anything of faith or anything of the church and then we move about our week, and then we come back. And so community groups, is, it helps. It's that, it's that bridge to uh, gap that weekly. Uh, I miss people, to be honest with you, when I'm not here. I miss the family of God. But community groups helps to bridge that weekly gap. It gives us another opportunity to gather. And so if we have groups meeting throughout the week, if we have groups meeting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all throughout the week, that's the church being the church. And one group's meeting here, 
in Golden Valley on Monday, one group's meeting here in New Hope on Thursday, and you got other groups meeting other times. That's the church being the church within the community. It helps to bridge that gap from Sunday to Sunday, and it allows us a place where we can be deep and authentic with each other because let's be honest, and even in a church this size, it's hard to be known if all we do is come here, spend an hour and a half together, and then leave. Maybe two hours. Maybe you go to ABF. I don't know. But it's hard to be known. It's hard to be authentic. It's hard to feel love. And so that's what community groups helps to do. Because, because God didn't t- intend for us to live life alone. He, he's, he's, he's called us to himself. He has called us to one another, whether you like it or not. You're here. We're stuck with each other. And it's a beautiful thing. Some of you are laughing. I don't know why. Some of you are like, I got stuck with this guy. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, too bad. See, because as God's people, as a, we, are, we are destined for success in the gospel. See, because God is able and God is sovereign over all, and when God commands, we obey those commands. When God, who created us to be in community with each other, says, go, we all see all through the New Testament of, of Paul. And one thing that was beautiful about Paul is he never went alone. He always had people with him. He was in community with people as he went. How would that look if just Paul just went by himself? Who would hold him accountable? Who would keep him to stay the course when he's thrown in prison, right? Who is encouraging him to keep going? We see all throughout the New Testament these people in Paul's life. Even in the life of Jesus, he always had his disciples when he was doing his ministry, he always had them with him. So this life wasn't, so if you think you can go out there, I don't need the church, I don't need to be in community, you're wrong. We weren't created to be that way. And so as, 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 we, as we go as a, as a community of believers, as we go as brothers and sisters in Christ, success is guaranteed. Because he said, go and make disciples. And God's commands are always upheld. So when God says, go, and if we go, disciples will be made. We don't know how that's going to look. We don't know how instant that's going to be. But we do know that disciples were being made. And so that's my, my hope for us as a church, that we can really grasp this understanding of what it means to be in Christian community with each other. Not just so we can have little holy huddles, but that we can come together as a group and make disciples. We can come together and see the people in our life, people that God has placed in our path. We can see them come to Jesus. And I firmly believe that God's going to do great things through this church. I think we're, we're poised for something great. And I'm excited to see where God's going to go. So where do we go from here? Well, if you want to get in a community group, talk to me. We're starting some more in October. So if you want to be a part of something like this, talk to me. We'll make it happen. Um, you can email me, or you can call me, or you can jump me in the hall whatever you want to do there. But um, my challenge, my encouragement is, is, is be 
God's people. Not just here on Sunday, but be God's people with your entire life. If that's one thing that I, I could have you take with you is, is to be God's people at all times. Not just here on Sundays, but in everything you do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are great. We thank you that you are magnificent. God, we thank you that you hold everything together. God, we thank you that you are our creator. You made us to love. And you made us to be in community. Father, we pray that as we go throughout our week that we will keep in mind the very the most important thing of our life and that is that your son died for us and your son died for those who don't know him. So God, I pray that you'll give us strength and courage to live the life. Lord, it's not easy, but we thank you that you have given us your spirit to give us strength. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the church family that we can be together in community to strengthen one another, to love one another, Lord and a place that we can just be real with one another, Lord. So, Father, I pray now that as we continue to sing praise of your name, let us sing praise to glorify you. Let us sing praise because we are together as your family, as your people. And it's for your most beautiful name we pray. Amen.